0: Well, we're so thankful, and I'm going to keep this very short. Would you please welcome Brother Joe McGee? I bless Tennessee. Amen. 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 And that's an saying that when I go to Texas, I say that in Texas, you know. We're going to Texas being San Antonio next weekend. And every time I go to Texas, I say, well, God bless Texas. And out of all 50 states, they go nuts. And better they come out of their pew. Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> they do. I don't care if we're in Texas. They're going to, yeah! Even my pastor, he's in he's Oklahoma, but he's a native Texan. He'll come out of his pew. Yeah! Oh, must be something spiritual. You ought to like yourself. You should. You should like yourself. We're going to talk about uh, relationships. Relationships. Everything in your life tonight is either making you happy or making you sad, mad or glad because of a relationship in your life. We are a relationship people. Jeremiah 31 verse 1. God said, I will be the God of all the families of Israel. God is a family God. It is the first thing he made. He said, it is not good for man to be alone. Genesis 2 verse 18. God made so there would be a family. Sin came into the first family, and uh, they got fired from their job. They had Eve need in their crime. What's the matter? We got fired. Would you work down at the garden? They got evicted from their house because they don't have a job. Where did you live? We lived down at the garden. And their kids started killing each other. Sin's got death attached to it. It's the first thing God made. It's the last thing he's working on. God always finishes stronger than he starts. There's a great outpouring on the family and the world today. Tremendous outpouring. But you have to use your faith to appropriate it. Faith is how we get what God's promised to us. Without faith, you cannot please God. Hebrews says, without faith, you cannot defeat the devil. We walk by faith, live by faith. That's not something goofy. Faith, Faith is based on facts. Meditating this word day and night, this produces faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You and I will believe what we hear the most of. While you're to guard your heart with all diligence, rather bit to the issues of life. It's very important what you feed on. Now, here's the challenge about relationships. Uh, Denise and I have been married 37 years. Um, in the beginning, those were ignorant years. We just enjoyed life and getting to know each other. But then all of a sudden, their responsibilities increased because now it's not just me and you in an apartment. It's me and you in a house with a mortgage, you know, uh, even years. This is nothing new under the sun. There's no, like the economy's bad. Well, the economy's always moved up and down. Always moved up and down, from the Great Depression on back to now. It's always moving around, but from Genesis to Revelation, all the people of God, if you read the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, lived under horrible weather patterns, horrible famines, bad kings, being oppressed, yet God blessed them beyond their wildest measure. Because Paul prayed for the church in Ephesians chapter 1, and he said, I've heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints. He's writing back to a group of people he had been out for years preaching every day. And he's heard that some people have gotten saved since he's left. They didn't get saved when he was there. They've gotten saved since he's left. He said, I've heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for the saints, which means you're saved because unless you're saved, you have no faith in God and you don't love anybody except yourself. You barely love yourself. He said, since I've heard of that, I will now cease not to pray for you. If you think I prayed before for you, you cannot imagine how much prayer I'm going to have to put into you now that you're part of the family. I will have to cease not. Now, if you think I prayed when you were a heathen, dear Lord, now that you're part of the family, I will cease not to pray for you. And he lists what he prays. So I pray I pray that a spirit that you get a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of God that you might know the hope of his calling. Now that you're in the family, you need to find out your place in the family. Welcome to the family, but what's your place in the family? Because if you don't find your place in the family, you're going to be very frustrated. Everybody has to work. You shouldn't hate going to work, but some people are out of place in work. You're working somewhere where you're not celebrated, you're tolerated because your gift is out of place. Now, don't go quit your day job, but I'm just trying to tell you something. You shouldn't hate going to work. Work, the reason they hire you is because they have problems they need fixed. You don't work at heaven You don't work at a perfect place. You work at a place where you solve problems. Now, I've told people, people don't hire you because you need a job. People hire you to help them make more money. There's a revelation for you. So he said, I pray you get a spirit of wisdom, revelation, and the knowledge of God that you might know the hope of his calling. So you need to find out what your role is inside the family. This would apply to a marriage. You fall in love. I love you. I want to be with you forever. I had that feeling. I want to be with this forever. You know, it's like I just like being around. Her. I, I don't care if we were kissing, just sitting there. Or, you know, I'd go to her house. Our greatest date, she'd fix me a fried egg sandwich, a Dr. Pepper, and those oatmeal fudgy cookies. My God, I've gone to heaven. <laughs> egg yolks running down my face. I got my Dr. Pepper glass all greased up from the juice from the egg you know, on there, and I get oatmeal fudges, which sticks in your teeth. So your teeth are all caked up with oatmeal. I'm standing at a beautiful woman that I would really like to kiss, but first I go brush my teeth. (laughs) But I realized something, that once we got married, there are roles that God created inside the marriage. You've got to find out what they are. You'll eventually frustrate and hate the very person you swore your undying love to. So once you get married, it's not over. It just started. That's why the Bible says that you leave your father, mother, and cleave unto your wife. The word cleave means to pursue with tremendous energy and great zeal. The dating doesn't start until you say, I do. We think dating's over when you say, I do. Oh, no. Now you're going to get to really know this individual. You cannot get to know somebody dating them. You don't talk about anything important on a date. All you want to do is kiss and hug, eat pizza and go to a movie. But you get married, it's like, shut up, I don't kiss you. How are we going to pay the bills? <laughs> shut up, I want to kiss you. We need another car. Shut up, I want to kiss you. When are we going to get a house? Shut up, I don't kiss you. When are we going on vacation, a real one beside your daddy's farm? And all of a sudden I quit. you're not, not pucking up the kiss, you're pucking up the spit. So Paul understood not only in the body of Christ, welcome to the family, welcome to marriage. Isn't it wonderful you're a kumbaya family member? <laughs> but if you don't hurry up and find out what your place is in this family, You're going to be a miserable family member. And he knew that. So number one, you better find out what your role is. You can't find that out until you get to the word of God, which is the second thing he prayed. You need to find out what your inheritance in the saints, what your inheritance is. Well, this is my inheritance, the New Testament. This is God's will for my life. If you just read the first seven Proverbs, forget all the rest of it. Just go to the first seven Proverbs. You'll read it at four times there. It's God's will that we be a happy people. You should be married to a happy person, not a depressed person. You don't want to marry Miss Depression 1994, Mr. Pickleface 1978. My God, there's enough hell in the world you don't want to marry it. (laughs) You want to go home to something that's kind of happy. Well, there's a way to be happy. Paul told Cain in Genesis 4, 6, he said, you know why you're not happy? And Cain was so mad he wouldn't answer God. He said, I'll tell you why you're not happy. You're not happy because you're not doing what's right. Happy people are people who know and do what's right. Because when you're not doing what's right, you're not happy. You're, you're being convicted and condemned, convicted by the Spirit of God and condemned by the devil, and you're one miserable, thumbsucking individual. So not only do you know what your place is in the family, you need to know what it is you're supposed to do in the family. He said, I'm going to pray you get a spirit of wisdom and revelation because you didn't get that when you got saved. You just got saved. Welcome to the family. You're now born again. You're going to heaven. names name of book of life. But now you better find out what your role is in this family or you're not going to know where to sit. You'll be sitting at the card table. You'll be eating a chicken leg. That's all we're going to give you. You can't eat with adults. You're not one. You understand? You ever had that feeling? Where do I belong? Well, find out. Ask God. God said you have not because you asked not. Jeremiah 33 verse 3, God says, Call unto me and I will answer you and show you great mighty things you don't know about. So that's the first and second thing is you need to know what your inheritance is. I need to get in the Bible and start finding out what God promised me concerning my role, how to get my role to come to a pass and be effective and efficient in it. I can do. I can get married. That makes me a husband. That doesn't make me a good husband. It just makes me a husband. I can have a child. That doesn't make me a good father. It just makes me a father. I can get a job. That makes me an employee. Doesn't make me a good employee. Doesn't make me a good neighbor. This is the only thing that will change our life, God's Word. The lamp, the light. That's why the Bible says the minute this Bible comes into my soul, Mark says the minute revelation of God's Word comes into me, the devil comes immediately to steal it back out. Because this Word, in my heart, taking root, coming out of my mouth in faith, is the only offensive weapon I possess. It's called the sword of the Spirit. It terrorizes the devil. So he doesn't want me to get the Word in me because he knows it's the word in me coming out of my mouth that's faith that he can't stop. He can't resist. This is victory. The word of faith coming out of mouth, This is my victory saying what God says against what seems to be the opposite. So the second thing is, well, welcome to the family. Now find out what your role is. Number two, you better find out what the scripture says about being in the family of God as a husband, as a wife, as a father, as a mother, as a blended family member because I'm going to need this or I may see it, I'll never possess it because I have no faith to go get it. Did you get what I just told you? Number three, he said, you need to pray that you'll be strengthened with might by the power of the Holy Ghost in your inner man because what you're about to em- embark on is going to take incredibly hard, diligent work. If you have a successful marriage, that's because you're working at it. If you're not working at it, you do not have a successful marriage tonight because everything left to itself goes backwards. I've said it almost every time I've preached here and everywhere else. The same university that taught me that two amoebas became mud, turned into a tadpole, grew legs, walked out onto the earth, grabbed a banana, grew a tail, swung from a tree, and thus here I am. That's a real course. It's a federal law that we teach that to our children today. It's a... Federal law that we must teach that stupid story in every public school in the United States of America where in God we trust. But we didn't come from God. It's a federal law that we must teach. We came from mud. There we are. And we're getting better every day. Yet the same university taught me the second law of thermodynamics that anything, anything left in its original state will deteriorate and will get worse. Well, one of those statements is a lie. It happens to be the first one. You don't paint your house, it's going to look pretty skanky after a while. You don't mow your grass, your yard's going to look skanky. You don't brush your teeth, your mouth's skanky. You don't bathe, you smell skanky. Anything not worked on consistently goes backwards, not forward. It does not evolve. It devolves. So he said, I'm going to give you an opportunity to do something, to be something, to be a part of something. And if you don't get empowered by the same Holy Ghost that empowered Jesus and raised him from the dead, you will not be able to do this. Your flesh does not have the power to pull this off. Or you can read about it. Get excited about it. Go to a seminar and learn about it. Learn all the things good husbands and wives do. But if you don't get empowered by the Holy Ghost, you will not pull this off. Because a marriage is the greatest invasion of privacy in the universe. You go on a date, you can go home. You get married, you wake up, they're still laying there. And that person you swore you loved is like, my God, some devil has possessed them and they've gone nuts on me. And then you hear married couple, I just never knew them. Of course not. Can't know somebody you marry them. Only when you get married will scales fall from your eyes and blindness be removed from your mind. And then you'll know, oh, dear God, what have I done? You got married. Because marriage was supposed to last a lifetime. It takes that long to get to know somebody. Do you understand that? So he prays, you're going to need to be strengthened with might by the power of the Holy Ghost in your a man because I'm going to ask you to do something. I will give you the power to do it, but you can't do it by yourself. You will need the power. You get married by faith. You get a job by faith. You live your life by faith. Just that thing. Well, We love each other. No, that won't work. Because people say, well, my heart's right. I've, ha- I've said it. I've had it said to me in marriage. Well, my heart's right. I love it. My heart's right. Yeah, but your head's ignorant. And you don't know how to do it. That's why Titus 2 verse 4 says, Mature women teach the immature women how to love their husbands and love their children. Not that, I love you. Not that kind of love. The serving kind. The kind, I don't feel like it, but I'm going to do it because it's right. Sit down. Shut up. Eat your dinner. (laughs) The fourth thing that Paul prayed once he found out they were part of the family is that you'd better learn how to walk in the breadth, length, depth, and height of God's love. Because faith only works by love. It's not just quoting scripture. It's your heart attitude behind it. I said this morning, it's not your tithe and the plate get you blessed. It's your faith behind the tithe and the plate. It's not your offering that gets you blessed. You don't get given back to good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, unless your faith's behind that. Faith makes that happen. Your obedience and then your faith. Faith in that works is dead. He said, you better learn how to walk in love because you're going to need it. Because all that faith I'm trying to tell you that you're going to need, find out who you are, what your place is in the family of God and in your own personal family marriage. Find out what the promises are for the family of God and what the promises are for a great marriage. You better be praying in the Holy Ghost every day because you're going to need the power of the Holy Ghost to get this done and go do what you don't feel like doing. And you better learn to walk in love because you're not going to feel much love. I'll just tell you that right now. It's it's a decision you make, not a goosebump you get. And people say, we just don't feel in love anymore. Love's not a feeling, it's a choice. First Corinthians 13, we don't have time to read it, not but you ought to read it. It is what you do, not what you feel. Now, I like the feelings of love. He said, because if you'll learn to walk in the breadth, length, depth, and height of God's love, then at that point, and at that point only, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, at that point will God do exceeding abundantly above all you ask and think, but not before. So Paul said, I'm glad you're saved. You're not going to hell. I am so thrilled. But now that you're saved and in the family of God, whoo, have mercy, I'm going to have to pound heaven on your behalf because you need a spirit of wisdom and revelation to find out what your role is. What part do you play in the body of Christ? What what part do you play? I heard you got married, man. I'm going to have to pray a lot for you now that you're married because you better find out what your role is or you're going to beat each other's throat. You better start finding the promises of God because you need to start believing God whether your spouse does or not. Your faith still works. Whether they agree with you or not, your faith is still a personal relationship with Jesus. Number three, you need to get filled with the Holy Ghost. That's not an option. That's not That'll make you a Pentecostal. That makes the power of God flow through you. The power of the Holy Spirit was not an option. It's just, well, some are, some are Pentecostal, some are not. Some are charismatic, some are not. Some are Pentecostal, some don't. It, it was a command. It wasn't a suggestion. Jesus told his own mother. Jesus told his own mother that everybody tries to worship. Mom, it's real important. I've got to go home. I need you to go with these other people and go to the upper room, wait there. You know, Jesus told 500 people to go do that, and only 120 went. That's why he's floating up on a cloud. This is the man who got the dogs not beat out of him. You saw him die. You watched them bury him, and three days later, he showed up with holes in his hand, walking through walls. That's something. Um, he's back. And then one day, a cloud formed and he floated up into heaven. As he was floating up, he said, I need you to go down here to the upper, room as soon as I get home, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit back who will do for you what I've been doing, except instead of being in one place at one time because he's limited by flesh body, he can be everywhere all the time. It's real important I go home. And so he told everybody, go to that upper room and wait because that's where he's going to show up right there. And 380 people found something more important to do than go get the Holy Ghost. It's not changed today. Some people make fun of it. Miracles are dead. All that stuff's dead. That was just this showed you. No, it's not. It's not dead. Holy Ghost isn't dead. He's still alive, doing more work now than he's ever done. When you pray in the spirit, you give thanks to God. You pray in the spirit, you pray God's perfect will for your life. You understand? When you pray in the spirit, you're praying God's perfect will. For your life. You're praying and asking God for things. The Holy Ghost is praying through you to God to ask for things you don't have enough sense to ask for. Big things happen when you pray in the Holy Ghost. You're still resisted. The devil will still resist you. He's not afraid of me. The only thing that backs him off is the word of God coming out of your mouth. And even though you beat him with it. That's why the Philistines are a type of the devil. Do you ever read about David and, you know, Goliath and the Philistines and so on? The Philistines were a type of the devil. I don't care how bad you whip them. You whip the snot out of them. They're going to show back up. Then you whip the snot out of them again. Then they'll show back up. You whip the snot out of them again and they'll show back up. The devil's that way. I don't care how bad you resist him with him, you can get victory, but he'll show back up. Be sober, be vigilant, for your adversary, the devil, walks about as a roaring lion, seeking him he may devour. People fall in love, swear they're undying love. They don't realize there's a spiritual battle going on. There are demons. You don't see them, but they exist. They may not possess a Christian, but they will oppress them. Do you understand that? One-third of Jesus' ministry was taking authority over the devil, casting out devils, resisting devils. He scared devils when he went somewhere. And what happens is we try to just work on flesh all the time. We don't ever get to the spiritual part because people have made it look goofy. And the only thing we've ever seen about people taking over the devil, well, they spit in buckets, walk around, and holler and scream, get on the 30th floor something and something, act stupid. You don't need to get on the 30th floor, trust me. You can stay on the ground. You don't need to take a helicopter right over a city. You don't need to walk around it seven times. Where well, you walk, God walks. I remember when Dr. Lester Sumrall came to Bible school years ago in 1979. We had some wild services with Dr. Lester Sumrall. He'd come in and a uh, great, great missionary man, been to over 100 countries. And uh, his great fame was casting the devil out of a woman in the Philippines. And, uh, and you know, the president of the Philippines made him famous because nobody can control this woman. she cut herself, cut you, do weird stuff. And Dr. Sumrall was just pastoring an old church and a hole-in-the-wall place. there. And they called him up So this guy, he, he can take care of devils, Really? He wasn't famous. Go get that idiot at Pentecost and bring him down and see if he can do something. And he cast the devil out of her. She went sane. And it made the national papers. It was in Manila, the center of the country. He was famous overnight. Why? He cast the devil out of this girl that was demon-possessed. And that's what got his ministry started. Great pastor. So he came to Tulsa and he was teaching. One night we had a big revival meeting because people were getting laid hands on. Laying hands on the sick, devils were manifesting. He was casting out devils. It was a wild service. And so the next day we're back in Bible school and the, and the 2,000 Bible students were able to ask him questions. We had to write them three by five cards and hand them in and he was at the podium the next day during the general session. And one student asked him a question. Dr. Sumrall, we noticed last night as you ministered, you never once used the name of Jesus. Is that not unscriptural? Of course, Dr. Kenneth Hagen, whose Bible school I was that, had just written a book called The Name of Jesus. It was like the Holy Grail. The name of Jesus. And it's a great study. You ought to study it. So we've just got that. We've actually had a course on the name of Jesus, how important it is. But here's Dr. Lester Sumrall, who prayed all night long for everybody and never once used the name of Jesus. And so, it's, so it got real quiet because Dr. Hagen sitting on the platform. doctor sumrall Sermon's been asked this question about the name of Jesus. He looked over his glasses, and he simply said, I don't need to use the name of Jesus when I pray. And you can hear, oh, like a holy hush when over 2,000 students. He said, when I'm talking, the devil knows who's talking to him. He said, many use the name of Jesus like your Tinkerbell, and that's a magic wand. That's why the devil is whipping you, because he's not afraid of you. <laughs> when I talk, Jesus talks. When I lay hands on people, Jesus lays hands on people. It's a hard issue. The devil knows who's talking to him. And I thought that's probably one of the greatest things I've ever heard. That's what happened to the seven sons of Sceva, who learned the magic words that Christians were using to cast out devils. And they got an idea, said, you know, we could start a business with this. Christians are casting devils out all over town, and they don't take any money for it. I'm telling them we can start a business. So the seven brothers got together and they got them some business cards and flyers, some billboards, 800 numbers. I'm trying to modernize this. 1-800-SKIVA, we deliver, 39.95. dollars <laughs> It's in the Bible. I'm just modernizing. They got a call. Can you come over here and cast the devil out of this individual? Sure. It'll be $39.95. We'll be right there. All right, boys. Business is about to roll in. This is their side job. They didn't quit their day jobs. So they show up, and, you know, the oldest brother's been watching Christians. He's written down the magic words that they speak. And they got over there and said, boys, you ready? There's this demon-possessed guy. In the name of Jesus whom Paul preaches, come out. That'll be thirty nine ninety five. And they thought it would work because it's worked for all the Christians. But all of a sudden, you know, it didn't work. That thing talked back at him. I like to think it sounded like Forrest Gump. <laughs> we know Paul got this not from Paul this morning. <laughs> we know Jesus. Who are you? <laughs> and that demon-possessed man jumped on those seven boys, whipped the snot out of them, ripped their clothes off, and shoved them butt naked out into the street. And the stock of 1-800-SKIVA just hit the bottom that day. They went out of business. You can't quote somebody if you don't know them. This isn't magic words we speak. This is a relationship. Do you understand that? When you're in the body of Christ, you're part of the family of God. You're legitimate. You're part of the family. You still need to find out what your position is in that family. What position do you feel in the local church? What role do you play? What position are you going into? That's why Romans 6 verse uh, 6 to 9 or Romans 12, 6 to 9 lists all the different positions in the body of Christ. Whether you prophesy, give, encourage, greet, help. What do you do? Go do it and do it through enthusiasm. Don't just do nothing. Remember, that's wicked people that do nothing. So all of a sudden you realize when you get married, I thought it was work just to find me a girlfriend and get married. The work starts after you say I do. But if you don't know that, you won't do anything. You'll just think, well, I married an idiot. I just married a mean person. They used to be sweet. You're, you just got ugly and mean. No, they started putting demands on them because the, their responsibility level goes up. Mortgage goes up. Bills go up. Babies are dropping like rainwater out of heaven. They're expensive. It's not like something you bought. You can't take it back. You got them. Well, how long? that's why you'll hear adult people in America say, I'll be glad you turn 18 and get out of here. (laughs) Well, then, 18, I don't know who invented that number. It's a lie. They're going to come back. (laughs) Here's what David realized. He learned such a hard lesson. David loved God. David killed Goliath, killed the bear, killed the lion. He's famous. He loves God. God's been so good to him. He was just the ruddy runt of the family. Samuel showed up one day, poured oil all over his head, and said, you're the next king of Israel. It wasn't like he was campaigning for it. God just selected him and anointed him. He loves God so much that after the Philistines had been whipped and they got the Ark of the covenant, he said, we're going to go get God the Ark with the angels on top, the gold box, the presence of God, the power of God, the blessing of God. I love God. I love him. My heart is pure and my heart is right. I am a lover of God. You know, God said, David was a man after his own heart. We can sit and preach on this all night. So David, with a good, pure heart, went to get God because he loves him. I love you. I love you. You know I love you? Well, <laughs> he goes and gets God because he loves him. And he takes that gold box and he sits it on the back of a Knox cart. Today it would be like putting it in the back of a pickup truck. What you got in your pickup, God? I went and got him. I'm going to bring him home. He's back here in the back of that pickup truck. And so he's bringing them home, 30,000 soldiers, not 3,000, 30,000. Man, it's a parade. It stretches for a few miles. David's out front doing cartwheels in the road. Like his wife is so mad she can't stand it. Look at him. My, my husband's an idiot. And David's twirling and flipping because God that's blessed him, made him famous, prospered him, delivered him. Giving him supernatural victory after victory. He's bringing God home so the people can get to know God like he knows God because he loves God. His heart is pure. Well, the problem is David hasn't read how you move God. And God can only be moved a certain way. There are rules to moving God. You can't throw him in the back of a pickup truck. He's been very specific. He said, I love you. Where I am is the presence, the power, and the prosperity of me. I'm here because I love you. Of course, the fire and the cloud. You remember all the stuff, the tabernacle of Moses. Well, we're all the way down there with David. David's bringing God home because he loves him. His heart's good, but he hasn't read how to handle him. His heart's right, but his head is ignorant. And he hits a bump in the road with that ox cart, and God in the gold box starts to slide off that ox cart onto the road. Oh, my goodness. It's God. It's the ark. Indiana Jones, the ark of the covenant, the angels on top, the kumbaya God. He's sliding off onto the road. That's not good. We don't want God to hit the dirt. God that made the dirt shouldn't hit the dirt. And a man with no apparent sin in his life reached out to help God and he touched that box to keep God from falling in the dirt. His heart was right. He loved God. He didn't want God to get hurt. He loves God. And he reaches out to help the God that he loves and he touched that box and he dropped dead in the road. Because God had been very specific. Where I am is my blessing, but don't touch it. (laughs) Because if you touch the box, you will drop dead. He had said it over and over again. When I moved, only the Levites can move me. They've got to walk so many steps, set it down, build a fire, throw a sacrifice on, do some kumbaya, then move me again a few steps. set it down, build a fire, throw a sacrifice, do some kumbaya. You can't just tote me around town in a pickup truck. Now I'm a little different. So two men who love God have made a horrible mistake. Yet if you brought them into counseling, they would be crying. They would have... God, I love, I love God. I love God on my heart. I've served God all my life, and He killed one of my best men. I don't understand. My heart's right. I hear that in marriage counseling all the time. I love them. I've given my life. I've given years to them. I've served them for years, and they don't appreciate it. I don't understand. I say that's because you're an ignorant person. And I've done it. First Peter chapter 3 says, dwell with your spouse according to knowledge. Your heart may be right, but do you know how to love them? Do you know what their needs are? Do you know how they act and react? Because whoever you marry, they're not perfect. they got flesh as well. Do you know how to serve another piece of flesh? Do you know how to know them, talk to them? And the Bible says out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth will speak. How do you get to know somebody? Get them to talk to you. Because they're going to tell you what they believe because their mouth's going to reveal their heart. That's why couples who never talk and visit, you don't know each other. You just think you do. And then they get mad. Well, I've given my life to them. I've done everything for them. They've never done nothing. It's always they've never done anything or they've never listened. And I tell somebody, you know, you tell me you, they never listen. I said, you know, I believe, if you tell me that sometimes they never listen or they don't listen or most times they don't listen, but when they never listen, I think you've got the problem because nobody never listens. They might not want to listen right now, but they're going to listen sometime. Maybe it's how you're talking. Maybe it's what you're saying. So what I want to do now is give you something real simple on relationships. Now, I've got this out there on the table in great detail. is called 100 Ways to Love Your Spouse. This is all just carnal stuff. This is stuff I did not know when I married Denise and I'm So I'm still learning. Uh, my heart was right when I loved Denise. I can never imagine hurting her, doing her wrong in any way. But it didn't take me long to realize something. We don't speak the same language. Our love languages are different. I was the oldest child of young parents. She's the youngest child of old parents. We came from two different universes. and We clashed. We clashed hard. Because I realized, you know, we th- what's the matter with you? Why do you think that way? What's, why do you think that way? Well, because I came from a different family. I didn't grow up like you. You know, why are you that way? Well, I was raised this way. Now, maybe I need to change my mind, but I'm not going to flip a switch. There is no magic wand. I don't know Tinkerbell. <whistles> I'm different. <laughs> Wasn't that quick. That's why God made marriage, because a spouse is a gift from God to reveal character flaws in your life. You just don't know how selfish and stupid you are until you get married. Because they tell you all the time that you're selfish and stupid. Because <laughs> you are. I am. I was like, dear God, I thought I was so good until I got married. I realized, My God, I'm a doofus. I need to grow in God's grace and in God's knowledge. And you think you love somebody until you get married, then you're, you're going to find out what real love is. Love's expensive. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. It cost God everything to love us with no guarantee we would love him back. Do you understand? So I realized something. I need to learn about Denise. I can't do the phone talk to her. But you know, it is a marriage. We've all got to I don't want to talk to them. Dear God, if we talk, we're going to yell. I don't want to yell, so I'm not going to talk to her. We'll just eat and laugh, tell some jokes. and I'm not talking to you. But we never agree on nothing. We never agree. I'm not talking to you. Shut up. Well, if you never talk, how are you going to come to a agreement point? Matthew 5, verse 9, Jesus said it this way. Blessed are the peacemakers. They should be, ch- be called the children of God. One translation says it this way. Blessed are the problem solvers, they should be called the children of God. I didn't know that when Denise and I met, we were totally opposite. We think different, but on purpose. God did that on purpose. There's wisdom in a multitude of counselors, not because you agree. There's wisdom in a multitude of counselors because you see the problem from a different viewpoint. Very seldom do Denise and I ever see anything the same way. Very seldom. And so used to, we take it personal. I'm right, you're wrong, I'm smart, you're stupid. Well, now you know you're going to sleep on the couch with that kind of conversation. So it's like, what is it you see I don't see? Because evidently, I'm not a complete person. When God put Adam into a deep sleep, he took a rib out and he built a woman. God took stuff out of men men don't have anymore. Women have got it. Yep, that's just how it is, guys. But ladies, God didn't take every rib out. He left some behind. There's that revelation for some of you. (laughs) Men and women are different. We see different, hear different, think different. Our blood's different. Men are stronger. Women have a better immune system. Average woman outlives the average man by seven years. That's why I tell men, get your scriptures out, believe God for a long life, or you're going to drop dead, she'll cash your insurance policy and marry another person. Just a thought for you. (laughs) God said, where you're weak, there will I make you strong. That means we all have weaknesses, but the word of God will give you strength. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his mind. That's why i got to find where I'm not doing good. I've got to find some scriptures, start thanking God for that. So what he's promised me will be revealed in my life. You understand that? So you need to learn about how, okay, men and women are different. These are things that women need. Men need, they're different. Because I, th- I don't think like Denise. I'm not in her mind. I don't think like a woman. I'm not a nurturer. I don't care how you feel. That was my thought. What? I don't care how they feel. <sniffs> I'm just trying to get stuff done because men are performance oriented. Men want to go to shoot a deer, hang your head on the wall, put the meat in the freezer, go do something else. One wants to cry over deer, did you orphan some Bambi because you can't eat hamburger? <laughs> little girls want to dress up kitty cats and puppet dogs and bunny rabbits and give them names and have tea parties. Not little boys. We want to get a BB gun, shoot dry balls out, hang your head on the wall. Women want to fix a full-course meal and impress people with their cooking. Men don't. Let's nuke a corn dog. Eat that thing. Shut up. Put that some mustard. That'll build your immune system up. <laughs> Women want to bathe constantly. Men don't bathe. We bathe once a week. That's good enough. I'm good. You wore that yesterday, and I'm wearing it again today. That's why I'm wearing it. I like it. That's why most men look like I got dressed at the Salvation Army. I don't care what it looks like. It feels good. It stinks. I don't smell it. Because you stink. God made men and women different. That's why he said in Genesis 2, it's not good for man to be alone. I made you different. I took a rib out of Adam, and it's been missing ever since, and every man. She's got stuff you don't have. Now, I believe it's God's will that 99% of all humans get married. It's the will of God. It's Genesis 2. It's like kind draws like kind. Not good for men to be alone. Be fruitful. Multiply. Replenish the earth. Replace yourself. I'm giving this a big number. I'll say 1%. I don't think it's that big, but I'll say I believe there's 1% of the the population has no business getting married. They're graced by God to not get married. If they get married, they'll mess their life up and somebody else's life up. Paul never got married. He was a fulfilled man and taught about it. I wish you were like me, but you're not, so go get yourself a spouse. He said, but it's going to cost you time. You get married, it's going to cost you. He told the truth. It's going to cost you time because marriages are high-maintenance relationships. You get married, your spouse is going to put demands on you at times that are totally inconvenient to you. Now? You want it now? You know what time it is? I'm watching a ball game. Now? Now? My God, I get a line. Yeah, now. And you think, my God, I married an idiot. No, And then you start saying what the devil's got all humans in. Women are stupid. My God, you know women are stupid. My God, we have women jokes at work. You know women, they're just dumb. as dirt. oh, my God, oh, dear God, they just won't shut up. I like kissing them, but they won't shut up. And then women get together. You know, men are sorry. My husband, he's sorry. My daddy, he's sorry. My brothers, they're just sorry. Men are sorry. They're lazy. All they do is flatulate. You don't know that word. Look it up after church. They belts and pass gas. They're just sorry. They have no feelings. Of course not. They're men. They don't feel nothing. The part of a brain for a male that shows emotions in the back right hemisphere—it's about the size of a walnut. When a man gets emotional, he has to go there on purpose, premeditated, and get it. Men don't get emotional. A woman's got six facial expressions every six seconds. Men have none. <laughs> there are women out here this morning. We were coming in, and I met Corey and the people that were here to take photos for me this morning. And there were women talking. I don't know who they were. I didn't recognize. They're talking. There's one lady. She's talking and. Every time she'd raise her eyebrows, the other women go right with her. Because women mirror back how they're feeling. Men don't. The guy who was standing there at the, at the book table thing, he was just. That's why women get mad at me. Are you not listening to me? Do you not feel this? Men feel it, they just don't show it. Sure, I'm listening. Shut up. What's the matter? I'm listening. <laughs> And so what happens is we should have had courses in junior high that taught us that men and women are different, think different, problem-solve different, fear different things, love different things, and God put us together on purpose. That's what a marriage is. It's getting to know somebody that is totally opposite of you. And God's going to tell you, I'm going to show what real love is. I'm going to give you a spouse. Now I'm going to trick you into it with hormones. All you want to do is hug and kiss and suck the lips off each other's face. But your lips get wrong, then you're going to start talking to each other. You're going to realize, my God, I married an idiot. But I've tricked you because I'm going to show what real love is. Real love is what you give, not what you get. Do you know you can lust after your own spouse? Did you know that that's possible? It is. Lust is what you want for yourself, not what you give. And you can do that to your own spouse. I don't care what you get. I want what I want. And all of a sudden, you realize something. I'm about to learn something about nature that, man, if I don't get in this book, I